0: This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Northwest Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth according to the New Testament. Come worship with us Sunday mornings at 1030 at 1708 Elm Springs Road in Springdale, Arkansas. Uh, At what point in this day and age did confrontation and communication become both harder and easier? You You hear a lot of people, friends, family say things like, you know, I'm not... A confrontational kind of person or confrontation is is hard and then we go online and we see people getting into the most ridiculous arguments over what color is the dress really or Mandela effects or aliens or anything else that in reality is just inconsequential we'll sit there and we'll just go into this deep focus mode, sitting on the chair, on the couch edge, huddled up over our phone like Gollum looking at the ring, sitting there going, oh man, this is going to be the one. Yes, yes, This this is the perfect rebuttal to whatever their comment was, whatever their post was, with the full intention of making that person look ridiculous or stupid for the things that they said. Maybe that's not you, maybe you're not that person. Maybe you're the other type of person, the one that sees someone doing something that you know is not going to end well or just simply isn't a good idea, yet you're so afraid and you are so uncomfortable with confrontation that you just don't wanna say anything because it makes you uncomfortable. Sure, confrontation can be difficult But as people, as Christians, we have an obligation to confront others when issues arise. Not over petty things, like many tend to do today, but over things that truly matter. Over doctrine. Over salvation. These are the things that we should hold up. See, we have a lot of obligations as Christians when it comes to confrontation in terms of of doctrine, in terms of sin, in terms of living life in a way that doesn't behoove us as Christians, that doesn't benefit us or or help us to grow as Christians. And we we let these things stand in the way, and we then have an obligation to step up and to say something to these people. Second Timothy 4, 1 through 5 says, I charge you, Thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing in His kingdom, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables." But watch thou in all things, endure affliction, do the work of an evangelist, make foolproof of thy ministry. You know, this is going to be uncomfortable at times. Confrontation is going to be comfortable. You know, we talk a lot about our obligation towards people and just towards, towards outreach and bringing people into the fold and uh, communing with one another in prayer. But this is one of those things, one of those topics that can be very difficult for us to handle. Uh, it could be a family member. It could be a friend that you're needing to confront. It could be somebody that's sitting next to you in the pew. In these cases, we should feel even more of an obligation. We should find it even more important to step up and to say something. Galatians 6 One to three says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. We have an obligation to go to them and talk to them. In a spirit of meekness, we need to be kind. We need to be loving. We need to be humble about the situation. It's very crucial how we handle these types of situations. And it's important that we do this as quickly as we can when we see these problems arise because sin, when allowed to happen by others, can fester like an infection. If one is allowed, others can then be tempted to follow suit it can spread this is one of the many reasons that i feel we end up getting so many different denominations today it's because instead of people rising up when they saw a problem they decided to sit back they decided to sit back and they decided to let it happen and let it occur why because they're uncomfortable they're more comfortable sitting in their pew they're more comfortable sitting in their seat than they were to step up when they saw it happen and when they saw it occur. If if one brother sees one thing is okay, whether it be drugs or alcohol and nobody says anything, say the person sitting next to them sees that and they like this person and they're good friends, they might start taking that up too. And then it spreads one to another and to another until the problem's gotten so big, it's too difficult to handle or it seems too difficult to handle. But it's not just these circumstances. If a brother is allowing another uh, something else in their life to just stand in their way, not necessarily sin, not necessarily you know, something that's against doctrine, just simply letting something stand in their way. It's a weight. It's something that's holding them back. We as Christians have an obligation to confront them about that because we're obligated to help each other to grow, to help correct one another, to help each other to grow as Christians in our walk. If you look at Hebrews chapter 10, starting verse 23, it says, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for He is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. Our job as brothers and sisters in Christ is to lift one another up, teach one another, correct one another. We were meant to grow together. There will be conflict at times. It's going to happen. Conflict is going to happen. It's part of life. But our job is not to ignore it. Our job is to see it and to work it out together. Now, that said, while we do have this obligation to, to confront others when issues arise, there is a time where issues arise for ourselves personally when we need to drop it. Sometimes there's going to be things that you see as an issue that, unfortunately, you just kind of got to let it go. Just because we're called to confront others to help, to correct, and to encourage that does not give us the right to go to someone and to get into just petty arguments and correct them on every little thing. The only thing that we're held to is the New Testament and to keeping the New Testament and upholding Scripture and upholding doctrine and upholding the gospel of truth. That is our obligation. And that is our obligation when it comes to confronting others. But it does happen on occasion where somebody feels or believes a certain way that's outside of the New Testament doctrine, where they feel like they're obligated to talk to somebody and to try to convert them and change their minds. We actually kind of see this happen in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 15, when uh, there were these people within the church, primarily Jews, uh, who felt like the act of circumcision was still necessary that they still needed to do that to be saved. Nowhere in the New Testament are you going to find where circumcision is necessary to be saved, but there were still regardless brothers and sisters in the church that felt that it was necessary. In Acts chapter 15, 1-2, it says, And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this question. So at this point, we notice there's a big conflict going on that's causing division within the church, causing some derision. Some feel that even though we are under the New Testament and no longer under the Old, that they should still enforce parts of the Old Testament. What do the apostles say about this? What does the scripture say about this? Well, in Acts 15, going into verse 6, 6 to 11, they say, And the apostles and others came together for for to consider of this matter. And when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, you know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, which knoweth the hearts bear them witness, give them the Holy Ghost, even as He did unto us, and put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ we shall be saved, even as they. While this specific instance is in regards to the Old Testament law. It remains true for anything that is outside of New Testament, outside of the New Testament, outside of the gospel, outside of the doctrine. We should not hold to anyone, we should not hold anyone to any standard beyond the New Testament. Why? Because the New Testament is our standard. The gospel is our standard that we stand for. That is what we should uphold. Romans 14, 1-9 is another good example. It says, Him that is weak in the faith receive ye, but not to doubtful disputation. For one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. So there's our conflict. Seems like a minor conflict, but one person feels like he should eat all things, another person says, No, I'm only going to eat these certain things. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth, Not And let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth. For God has received him, who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own matter he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. One man esteemeth one day above another, another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord, and he that regardeth not the day To the Lord he doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God thanks. And he that eateth not, to the Lord he eateth not, and he still giveth God thanks. For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord both of the dead and living. You know, just because one brother or sister in Christ feels one way when it comes to, you know, food or, or drink or music or TV or politics, whatever it may be, they believe it's right or wrong. If there is, if there is no scripture, if there is no doctrine refuting whatever it is they think or whatever it is they feel or whatever it is they believe, if there's nothing it can't be proven, for that person it's fine. If one person feels like, you know, I don't want to eat a rare steak. I feel like it's wrong to eat a medium rare steak. I just don't like it. That doesn't mean for the person that likes medium rare steak that it's wrong to eat that steak. There's nothing wrong with that steak. It's a good old steak. I like steak. You like steak. Let me give you another example. Uh, a real-world example. Cat's uncle Andy. I believe that's the right uncle. <laughs> She's looking at me like I don't know where he's going with this. He got a pair of glasses when he was younger. And I don't remember if they were horn-rimmed or wire, they were wire frame glasses. Thank you. And the church felt like this was of the world. Andy, you can't wear these glasses. They're evil. They're of the world. They're glasses. Guys, they're glasses. It doesn't matter. Sure, one person might think it's wrong for him to wear these. It, it doesn't matter. If Andy wants to wear these glasses... There's nothing in the Scripture, there's nothing in doctrine that prevents him from wearing these glasses. They're just glasses. Another example that was more true to me was I loved Christian metal when I was younger in particular. There's something about it. There's just the the sound, sometimes the, the, the words that they're speaking that's just presented in such a way that, you know, I really enjoyed it. And a lot of the time, they covered more doctrine in those, in, in those songs than any of the contemporary Christian artists do today. I remember there was one I listened to that talked about um, laying your old man down to die, and it talked about baptism, It was a Christian heavy metal song. But some people would still say that even though it, it's talking about doctrine and all this stuff, that it's, evil because they're they're screaming and, and the instruments and all this stuff there was nothing wrong with that song but to somebody that just didn't like it they, they would still point out that it's not their thing i think it's sinful and i think it's wrong to the person that likes that music you can continue to listen to that music we're not going to find anything in doctrine that says that you can't listen to that type of music it's fine It's fine. There shouldn't be any conflict there when it comes to that. You can't hold people to standards that are beyond the New Testament standards. That is our only standard in life. As Christians, as followers of God, our only standard is to the New Testament. But if a man does believe something to be unclean, if somebody does think of something to be unclean, to them it is also unclean. So it's not our job to fight them over that either. If you look at Romans 14, again going into verse 13, it says, Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself. But to him that esteemeth, Anything to be unclean to him, it is unclean. So if somebody thinks something is sinful, if somebody thinks that something is wrong for them to do, to them it is wrong. To them it is wrong. I'll give you an example of that. You know, Ben, say Cade, thought that he was not allowed to go outside. You never said anything about him going outside? You never told him that it was wrong for him to go outside, but he, in his head, thought that it was wrong for him to go outside, even though there was nothing that you said or spoke that would lead him to think that. But Kay decided he was going to go outside anyways, even though he felt he was wrong to do so. That would be wrong for him to do. If he was sneaking around, prowling outside, trying to sneak out of the house to go outside and play or whatever, it would be wrong for him to do that. That's what it's talking about here. If he thinks it is a sin, if a person thinks for something is a sin, regardless of whether or not it is, to that person in particular, to them it is wrong. To them, it is a sin. Don't be a stumbling block. Don't, do not be a stumbling block to somebody just because of something that you think or something that you feel that's outside of the New Testament Scripture, that's outside of doctrine. Don't put a yoke on somebody where there need not be one. Don't cause issues for somebody when there is no cause to make those issues. Another time that we need to drop it is when it's to be spiteful. When we're purely confronting somebody to be spiteful, and to be hateful, and to be cruel to them. Whether you're in the right, wrong, or otherwise, we're to act in love. We're not to act in spite. If you look at 1 Peter 3, 8-9, it says, Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one for another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil, or railing for railing, fighting for the sake of fighting. But contrarywise, blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. Don't argue with somebody purely for the sake of arguing with them. Don't confront somebody purely for the sake of confronting them. I'm not saying don't have friendly debates. That is not what I'm saying. I'm not saying don't have friendly arguments and stuff like that. I'm not saying that that's wrong. I love having friendly debates. I love having those conversations with people. I will sit here with you if you want to have a conversation about politics or conspiracy or, or whatever it may be. There's, there's nothing wrong with having these conversations. The problem is when you let it go to the point where it is now becoming a stumbling block when you let these things go to the point that they are causing an issue, even though they have nothing to do with doctrine, even though they have nothing to do with the gospel, nothing to do with salvation, and you decide to let these things stand in the way. At that point, you need to learn to drop it. We may not like to hear that, but... Honestly, personally, I need to hear that sometimes because I get really heated. I really enjoy it. But we need to learn when we need to drop it. And that's when those things start becoming a stumbling block for others and start becoming an issue for other people. So how do, how do we go about confronting other people? How do we go about confronting brothers and sisters in Christ? Well, first of all, Everything that we do needs to be done out of love. John 15, 12-13 says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Whatever we do when it comes to confrontation, we need to make sure that we do it out of love. Of love. And we need to remember why we are confronting these people. If you look at Matthew 18, and we're going to start in verse 11. We're going to be here for a little bit. Um, but in Matthew 18, it says, For the Son of Man is come to save that which was lost. How think ye if a man have a hundred sheep, and one of them be gone astray? Doth he not leave the ninety and nine, and goeth into the mountains, and seeketh that which is gone astray? And if so, be that he find it. Verily I say unto you, he rejoiceth more of that sheep than of the ninety and nine which went not astray. Even so, it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Our duty as Christians is to seek and save the lost. Not to prove others wrong. Not to let everybody know how good we are at debate, how good we are at finding the right Scripture, finding the right verse. That's not the point. The point is to help one another. Our goal is to seek and save the lost. Our obligation is to show them the way to salvation and to lovingly correct them to keep them on the path of righteousness. If someone goes astray, No matter who they are or what they've done, it is our job to go to them and do what we can for them, like Christ did for each and every single one of us in this room. The first step in confrontation, very simple, it's just to go to them. Go to them. Talk to them. Matthew 18, 15 says, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. An interesting thing about this verse is some of the older manuscripts actually leave out against thee. Uh, Chapter uh, Matthew 18.15 in the NASB version actually translates it this way. If your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. This is what was in a lot of the older manuscripts. If your brother sins. now if your brother sins against you, if your brother sins. Why is that important? Because regardless, he sinned either way, right? <clears throat> it takes the you out of it. Because it's not about you. At the end of the day, it's not about you. It's about their salvation. It's about helping them to get back on the right path. And sure, if it was towards you, it should probably be you that goes and talks to them. But remember that even then, we're working towards a bigger goal. In confrontation, we're working towards a much bigger goal than settling a petty argument, than than making ourselves feel good about something. Our goal is to seek and save the lost, not to try to hurt one another because they hurt us first. That is not our job. It can be hard to love somebody who has wronged us, but we can't let that stand in the way of doing what is right. Not only can that be a stumbling block for that person, that can be a stumbling block for you as well. Be a stumbling block for me, be a stumbling block for all of us. Our job is to love them and to confront them when there's an issue in a loving way in order to try to bring them back into the fold. So what if they don't listen? Say so you go and you confront this person and they don't want to hear it. They just don't want to hear it. it. Maybe you made them really mad in the past or something, or maybe it's an issue that they really, really believe. And especially coming from you, they may not want to hear it. I don't know. I don't know your circumstance. But regardless, the next step is to take one or two more with you. Matthew 18, 16 says, but if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. This allows us a couple different things here. By grabbing somebody else, first of all, you're getting other eyes on the situation, getting other ears on the situation gives that person, the other person that you're bringing into the fold, an opportunity to correct you. Maybe really it was you that was in the wrong. You felt like you were in the right, but it might have been you that was in the wrong. Maybe you didn't know where to look, what verse to look up, that kind of stuff. It's important to get somebody else involved in these situations. One or two more, just to get another set of eyes on it and so that you can learn how to better handle this situation. And then maybe the person just doesn't need to hear it from you. They need to hear it from somebody else. But when you pick your one or two other people to go help you, make sure you're picking somebody who's a wiser person. Make sure you're picking somebody that's not just a friend, somebody that can actually help with the situation. Proverbs 15.2 says, The tongue of the wise useth knowledge aright, But the mouth of fools poureth out foolishness. You know, you want to pick somebody who is well-versed and be further assistance to the situation. You know, if I'm going to go work on my house, if I need to fix something in my house and I'm needing assistance, say it's something like putting up drywall. I can tell you right now, I love my wife. She is my best friend. She knows nothing about drywall. (laughs) I'm probably not going to ask for her help with drywall any more than, you know, hand me the right tool, hand me some nails, whatever it may be in that. But I'm going to need somebody that knows how to put up drywall. I might call somebody. I might call Miguel. I might call David. I might ask somebody else who knows how to fix the problem that I'm needing fixed in order to do the job correctly ask somebody who can help the situation that you can trust to handle the situation say you're dealing with somebody could be somebody in the church could be a family friend or something that believes in calvinism and they're, they're trying to follow the tenets and the ideals of calvinism and you tried talking to them. You, you studied and you tried talking to them and they just weren't listening. Now it's time to grab somebody that knows a bit more about the topic that can help and go study with this person and answer their questions and can better come up with rebuttals for the things that they might say. If I was dealing with somebody that uh, had Calvinistic beliefs, I'd, I'd probably go grab me Pat Manon. I'd call Pat Manning up and say, hey, Pat, you got that lesson on TULIP? Would you mind coming over and helping me study this and let's see if we can help this person see the error that there is in in Calvinism and help them along? The best way to do this, always grab somebody that is wiser, preferably somebody that's smarter than you, to help you handle these situations. Now, both this step in the previous step, while primarily I would say focuses on brothers and sisters in Christ, people that you go to church with, I would apply these to people outside of the church as well. Any arguments that you're having outside. Uh, If it's a co-worker or whatever, go talk to them yourself. If they're still believing in, in these wrong ways and these sinful ways and not following Scripture, grab somebody else that can help you. It's going be a brother or sister in Christ that you go to church with. Say so you're trying to study with this person you just don't know enough. Grab somebody else to come and help you. It's going to do nothing but benefit you in the long run, even if you don't change their mind. You are going to grow from this situation. But say you do go to them and they don't listen. You bring two or more they still don't listen. And the person that we're talking about, somebody that we go to church with, somebody sitting next to us in the pew, and they still refuse to listen. That can be hard. What do we do next? Well, Matthew 18:17 says, and if ye shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. You know, when you go as far to take it before the church, the church has an obligation to stand by the Word. Not you. I know that's hard to hear. But the church's obligation is to stand by the Word of God and to stand by doctrine. Doesn't matter how long you've been in the church. Doesn't matter that your pappy and your grandpappy were in the church. That doesn't matter. What matters is what the Bible says. What matters is what doctrine says. And the church should stand by doctrine. The church should stand by Scripture and the Word of God. <clears throat> Maybe the per- and at that time, leaders of the church may decide to take things further. But at that point, for us as individuals, when we give up the situation to the church... It's time for us to move on from that situation. The church is now the ones who are obligated to handle this situation. And leaders of the church may decide to take things further. Maybe the person has caused enough trouble, has caused enough issue that they need to be pulled out until they see where they were wrong and are ready to change. I don't know. I don't know what your situation is. But when you take it as far as to take it before the church, when you remember it's out of our hands at that point. Now, I'm not saying you can't try to reach out to this person. Don't think that at all. You can still try to reach out to this person. You can still try to talk to this person. And be there for them when they are ready. But don't let the situation hold you back as well. Don't let this situation be a stumbling block for you. It says, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. You can still try to work with them. You can still try to love them. But we need to realize that even then, there's a point where we we need to be able to take a step back. You got to know when to hold them. Know when to fold them. You got to know when to walk away, and you got to know when to run. <clears throat> you know when confrontation arises. It's important for us to remember that we have an obligation to confront other brothers and sisters in Christ in a loving manner. We can't just let them continue to stumble and fall through life. When it's about salvation, when it's about doctrine. It's our job to stand up for the gospel, not for anything else. Our job is to stand up for the gospel and for the word of God, regardless of how uncomfortable that may make us feel. Sometimes it is, and it's, it's going to be. We have no such obligations to things outside of the New Testament doctrine. We don't have any obligations to stand up for anything outside of Scripture. We can't let things of the world stand in the way of someone's salvation. And we need to remember that confrontation, it's not about us. It's about salvation. It's about them. It's about seeking and saving the lost, and helping brothers and sisters in Christ to grow. Thank you for your time this morning. Uh, Any brothers or sisters have any needs of the church? If anybody's having an issue with confrontation, with dealing with situations like these, feel free to come forward as we stand sing the song that's been selected. We hope you enjoyed this teaching from God's Word. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Christ, send us a message at facebook.com slash cfcnwa. To find more sermons, look for us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and like our Facebook page. Thanks for listening, and God bless.